Ladies and gents, hello! Welcome to episode 44, and in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about adaptation and resilience. So, if you are finding yourself with me talking in your ears right now, and right now you're in a kind of headspace where you're struggling with your progress, let's not beat around the bush. I don't know why I'm saying that, because every one of these podcasts is about if you're struggling with your progress. Rarely have I done a podcast where it's like, this one is for everyone that's fucking smashing it. (laughs) This one's for everyone that's doing great, doesn't need any additional support. This is a pointless podcast. (laughs) Every podcast is for those of you that are struggling with adherence, struggling with your head, etc. Because, you know, calorie deficits, making physical changes are fucking hard, isn't it? So... Of course, otherwise there would be no point to this podcast. Now, here is something to take away half an hour of your life. (laughs) There we go. So, if you're doing great, there we go. So, get ready to kiss goodbye to half an hour of your life listening to my voice. If you're not doing so great, well, I suppose this one's for you. Anyways, we're talking about adaptation and resilience and why they are key integral things when it comes to transformation, your journey, yada, yada, yada. So... There's a, uh, I don't want to say it's a meme, but there's a quote, no idea who said it, but I'm going to steal it, which says, it's not about waiting for the storm to pass, it's about learning to dance in the rain. And I've touched on this previously, and we had it up in our old house uh, on a kind of slate plaque, etc. And it's very true, it is, you know, a very, very good analogy to use that, you know, particularly living in the UK, we understand it probably more than those listening in California, for example, but it rains a lot. And so in a physical sense in the UK, yep, makes perfect sense to get out there, just get on with it because it's just going to keep fucking raining. So you're never going to find a gap which is appropriate. And to be honest, I use this analogy, I use this mantra quite a bit when people say to me, oh, it's not really the right time for me to begin a program right now. You know, I want to achieve these goals, but work's crazy. We've got the kids, we've got lockdown. There's never a good time. It's never a good time. As I said, it's not about learning to, uh, it's not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And I suppose first I'm going to touch on a little bit of an experience closer to home for me. And then obviously we're going to divulge a little bit further. Maybe I should start putting timestamps on the podcast. Anyways, the trio triplets raising triplets again i don't talk about this anywhere near as much as i should and don't worry i'm not going to dwell on the point too long now but with every age has come different complications we had the age of raising three babies we then had the age of raising three one-year-olds three two-year-olds three three-year-olds and of course at present three four-year-olds soon to become five-year-olds and every single age brings with it its own challenges from shitty nappies to nights waking up feeds to crying to a lack of understanding uh, and Jesus Christ, every emotional kind of thing that you can deal with there afterwards. And up until probably I'd say this year, it was always about the next year for me. It was always about, oh, I can't wait until they're two because we'll be out of this phase. Or I can't wait until they're three because we'll be out of this phase. And before anyone says, don't wish their life away, believe me, that's not where I'm coming from. But as a parent, you'll understand. And as a parent to triplets, it's, you know, whenever you're dealing with a hard stage, you can't help but allow your brain to go into that mode of, oh my God, I can't wait until we get to this stage or this thing. It's a little bit like how people wait for Friday with the work, you know, it's with the work. Why the fuck did I say with the work? Yeah, you know, with the work, 
Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> Normally I'll cut a bit like this out, but I'm going to start making these podcasts a lot rawer so that you see the fuck-ups. Anyways, it's a bit like work when you're waiting for Friday. You've had a really long arduous week and you're looking forward to the weekend when you can ease back a little bit and it's like that raising triplets you're looking forward to when a certain phase ends completely forgetting what you've learned from the countless phases that have gone before which is as this phase ends you're going to enter another one which is probably going to be just as tricky but in a very different way and what I wrote down on my little notepad here was every age brought about different variances of hard They are always hard. Raising triplets, raising kids is always hard. But what happens is that the hard changes. So you go from one thing that's hard to then something else which is hard, to then something else which is hard, but in a different way. So it's not like you could turn around and say, oh, what's harder, four-year-olds or two-year-olds? Because, well, it's a different kind of hard. But the one thing that we've obviously had to learn over their four and a half, nearly five years now, is how important adapting is. Adapting the house, adapting our circumstance, adapting our routine, but I suppose most importantly, adapting our expectations and our mindset towards raising the three of them. And of course, you know, let's not beat around the bush, we have the boys as well. So four and a half year old triplets and two basically teenage boys. Now, when we look at the situation that we're in at the moment, and again, I'm talking to my UK guys primarily being in the midst of lockdown three, but obviously elsewhere around the world, as I recently discovered, because after the last podcast and I said that I'd never looked at the analytics for this podcast, guess what I went and did? <laughs> so hello to everybody that's listening in the USA and Canada and uh, Brazil. Thank you for tuning in. Much appreciated. Hope, you know, coronavirus has been treating you guys pretty well over there at the same time as it has been us. That's sarcasm, by the way. Um, yeah, it's not been great, has it? But it is what it is. Each government doing their best. Just Unfortunately, our government fucked it up a little bit more so. But anyway, there's there's a whole different podcast, isn't it? Eh? If you want my opinion on coronavirus, send me a message. Please do a podcast on my opinion. <laughs> Anyways, what we've had to learn to do over the series or the course of the last year, regardless of what country we're in, is adapt. We've gone from having all freedoms to no freedoms to having some freedoms, then a little bit more freedoms, and then no freedoms again. And we've constantly had to adjust the way that we live our lives, the way that we go about our days, the way that we approach our existence from shopping to eating to socializing to schooling to working, everything, even travel, everything has had to change. We've had to adapt. And we have. Clearly we have, because if you're listening to this, it means you're not dead. It means that you've eaten, which is good. It means you've adapted your eating regime. So, you know, that's pretty fucking important when it comes to living. And if you are listening to this as well, it means that you are navigating your way through coronavirus. Now, you may be listening to this from a particularly dark place. And I don't mean you're out like walking early morning. I mean, you may not be in the best headspace at the moment. And hell, it may very well be why you've come to this podcast. And I'm glad that you did. But regardless of how the entirety of the last year has gone, regardless of how well you would score yourself, you have adapted. And like I said, the proof is in the pudding of that with the fact that you are still here. You've been able to navigate whatever circumstance you personally have dealt with. You still got food in your cupboards, hopefully money in your bank account and a roof over your head, most importantly. But let's kind of bring it back to a more, I suppose, transformative heading. 
going back to work, there is a huge adaptation, for example. You know, when I personally go back to work fully, when I go back to teaching the classes, uh, when the kids go back to school, my activity naturally goes up. And so going back to work for me means an increase in activity, which makes it easier to adhere to step goals, etc. For other people, that potentially means a decrease. It could be that you've been more active being furloughed or whatever circumstance you've been in. And then going back to work means that you're going to struggle to adhere to your activity or to get a decent amount in. Again, to each their own. And you could also, I suppose, bring winter into this situation as well. Now, winter, it's, it's quite common that people will gain more body fat in winter, being hungrier, you know, eating more food. And of course, activity goes down because of other circumstances that we'll touch on shortly. And also, some people like to increase their body fat over the winter. Now, sometimes that naturally happens. In fact, for most people, that naturally happens for the reasons you know I mentioned before of lower activity, increased food consumption, etc. Some people choose to. I naturally find that my body fat does increase a little bit over the winter, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, body fat is there for both protection and insulation. So if you want to be warmer in the winter, gain a little bit of festive job, which isn't the end of the world. Again, body fat is not the enemy. It's your relationship with food causing you to have too much body fat, which is the enemy. Okay, Don't think of body fat as a bad thing. It's essential, especially to you girls. Uh, And that's not a sex thing. That's a basically essential for hormone regulation, essential for childbirth. You girls naturally need a higher body fat percentage, basically. So again, another rabbit hole I'll go down. Plenty more podcasts to come. (laughs) We may very well cover it. But the key to all of kind of winter, summer, spring, etc. is the ability to learn and adapt, to be resilient to make sure that you understand that things have to change. Shit can't just be linear. We can't just go, these are my steps, these are my calories, job's good. Case in point, as you get deeper into your calorie deficit, deeper into your transformation, then you naturally reduce your maintenance calories. Your TDEE naturally reduces because big chunk, the biggest chunk of your total daily energy expenditure is your basal metabolic rate. Now, your basal metabolic rate is made up of your age, height, weight, and gender. Now, gender, from a hormonal perspective, isn't going to change. From a height perspective, yeah, that's going to change very slowly, but not dramatically. But obviously, your age will gradually increase. Therefore, your requirement of calories goes down as you get older. But also, most importantly, when it comes to your BMR anyway, your weight will decrease. If you're doing a good job of adhering to a calorie deficit, that is. And so, the calories that you consume... The approach that you take to maintain a calorie deficit will potentially need to be adapted. Again, adaptation is key to this. It isn't a case of here's a program, follow it forevermore. And to be honest, this is why I, well, one of many reasons I don't sell a plan, I sell programs. And the reason why that is because if I go, here's a plan, follow it, then you'll follow it to a point. But then as life changes, that plan is only applicable for the time in which we discussed the plan. So case in point, we sit down, we discuss your life, we put a plan in place with your activity, your exercise, your calories for your current settings, both in life and obviously with your weight, etc. But then what happens is as you adhere to it, your life changes, your weight changes, all of these settings change. So therefore, the plan that was once applicable potentially isn't anymore because things have changed, particularly with all the craziness of 2020 and now 2021. 
So adaptation is key to that side of things as well as it being key to life. If you look at human beings as a species and you look at why we've been so successful and why we have established ourselves as the dominant species on this planet, top of the fucking food chain, unless like a predator or an alien comes down, but that's me sci-fi brain going on. The reason we are the dominant species on this planet is because of adaptation. We have populated every area of this planet, every climate, every continent we have populated. Now, there is an incredible amount of diverse climates over the course of our planet, but we found ways to adapt. There is a simple adaptation that you have in your hallway cupboard or hanging up on your hook right now, a coat. A coat is a simple way of human beings adapting to the cold. Coat goes away in the summer, we don't need it, it comes out again in the winter. Gloves, scarves, etc. Now this is a very, very simple example, but it's an example of how we adapt to where we are. The reason we have such a diverse array of animals across the world, but particularly populated in certain places, for example, you don't find a fucking tiger walking down your local high street, in the UK that is, is because they are adjusted to certain climates, adjusted to certain circumstances. Some of you may have lizards at home where it requires a bulb in the tank or tropical fish where the water needs to be warmer. This is just another example of animals that need to be within a particular atmosphere, a particular climate. Whereas human beings, we have adapted to be able to survive across the planet. The reason I bring this, I suppose, to your attention is because that's what we do. We adapt. And that's something that, particularly in our darker moments of lockdown, we forget. This is our speciality. This is, this is the thing. If you were to literally put all the species and write underneath them what all of them are good at, human beings, the key point would be adapting. Resilience. We have the ability to understand and creates solutions to changes in our world. Now with yourself, with your early morning, late night walks, with your activity, etc. Of course, the winter brings about darker mornings and darker evenings. Therefore making it even trickier to go out and get your steps in. If you're an office worker, if you're sedentary during the day like myself, then it's a bit more difficult to get out because it's darker. And obviously for you girls, the shitty world that we live in, it doesn't particularly bode well for you going out from a safety perspective. Gentlemen too, to a point, but ladies far more so. You have to adapt your routine because the climate no longer gives you the freedom to be able to go out during safer, lighter hours, more populated hours, if you will. So it stands to reason that your activity is going to be very different in the darker months as it is going to be in the summer months. It stands to reason that you are way more likely to be more active in the summer and then less active in the winter. Now, of course, there are ways of adapting to this. I've known a few clients that have picked up treadmills, for example, and now have them in their garages. So although they're not getting out and about with their walking, they're able to do it in their garages, watching Netflix, whatever. And the key thing to take away from this is that's not wrong. That's the right solution. Setting in your head, I'm going to do 10,000 steps year round unequivocally is all well and good if you're not affected by circumstance or climate or daylight, temperature, weather. 
But the fact is, these things are going to affect your journey. And so they need to be incorporated into the sustainability of your plan. The weather, for example, if it's pissing down with rain, are you the kind of person that's going to go out in the rain and get your steps done? Because we are in the wet months. You know, we are end of January. Hell, it's February tomorrow. We are in the wettest months of the year. So it stands to reason that the majority of the time, going back to the beginning of this podcast, you're going to have to learn to dance in the rain. And if you don't learn to dance in the rain, then your activity is going to go down. And therefore, we must adapt our caloric consumption because activity is going down. If, of course, we want to maintain the same size deficit and, and lose at the same rate. Alternatively, if our movement goes down or activity goes down, then, of course, we then need to either, you know, like I said, reduce our calories to maintain the same size deficit or change the expectation. And therefore, we adapt our expectation of fat loss, we reduce the size of the deficit. We keep calories the same, even though activity's dropped, understanding that it's a smaller deficit, smaller losses. Again, adaptation. Temperature's key too. Some people don't like the cold, don't like going out in the cold. Some people have you know, medical issues, which mean that going out in the cold is particularly detrimental to them. Again, things must adapt. I'm going to keep coming back to this point. Now, a dose of sustainability is needed here. And I mean sustainability for you as an individual. Because right now, on the 31st of January 2021, which is when I'm recording this, we are in a wet, cold, dark period of the year. In a few months' time, we're going to, hopefully, be in a warm, bright, and drier time of the year. And we need to understand that sustainability isn't just a case of going, you know, I'm going to do 10,000 steps every single day and make that, you know, that declaration in the summer, knowing full well we're not going to stick to it in the winter. Sustainability is not about these are the steps I can do, these are the calories I can do, this is the exercise I can do, jobs are good in. That's not actually what sustainability is about. Of course, we want to have a mindset in place of going, what can I do and keep doing? But we also need to add an added, another bit to that, which is what can I do and keep doing as the year evolves? A lot of the time I'll say to people, do me a favor, when you're thinking about your activity, your exercise, etc., plan it as if it is your busiest, craziest week. And then that way, you've got the ability to overachieve if the week eases up and it's nowhere near as busy as you think it is. But you've also got the ability to continue to adhere even if you have that crazy week, even if things go nuts. So when I talk about sustainability, I don't just mean set, I can do 10,000 steps, that's sustainable for me while you're in the middle of summer, because then you'll get to the winter and go, oh, I'm really struggling with those 10,000 steps. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You don't like the rain and it's cold. So therefore, sustainability needs to incorporate a range for you. Sustainability isn't one specific number when it comes to your steps or one specific number when it comes to your calories or exercise, whatever. Sustainability needs to be a range for you. The sustainability element isn't how many steps you're going to do. It's committing to a decent level of activity incorporated into your daily routine. Now, in the summer, that may be 10,000 steps. In the winter, it may be more like seven. That doesn't mean that 10,000 steps is unsustainable. Again, it's not about the sustainability of the number. It's the sustainability of the action, of the habit. 
And so this is where the fine line between sustainable and unsustainable comes in. To give you a prime example, an unsustainable approach would be going, I'm going to do 15,000 steps. I'm going to commit to seven exercise sessions per week. I'm going to do I don't know, 1,100 calories every day. That's an unsustainable approach because the calories are far too difficult to adhere to. The steps are pretty damn high for most people. And if you're doing seven days worth of exercise, seven sessions, you're not having a rest day. There is no way that you're going to get an unfaltering life where nothing ever gets in the way of your exercise session, particularly if you are a busy person, professional, have kids. All of these things are going to get in your way. So that isn't sustainable. However, if you were to say, right, 1,500 calories, 10,000 steps and three exercise sessions is sustainable for me right now with my current settings in life, that's cool. But we would also, in the back of our mind, go, if things change, etc., and as the winter comes on, probably more like, you know, 8,000 steps, 7,000 steps is realistic for me. I could keep my exercise going because I use the gym, again, putting COVID to one side for a second, uh, and I can still keep going with the 1,500 calories. Sure, I'm missing 2,000 steps every day, you know, 1,400 steps over the course of the week. Again, beauty of my maths. It's incredible, isn't it? it's really not <laughs> maybe i should have spent lockdown doing a, a maths gcse that probably would have been way more advantageous for me <laughs> but my point is that it's the action of the steps which is the, st the sustainability part are you going to commit to be active and make activity a sustainable thing in your life that the number fluctuates slightly as opposed to it being this massive, right, I was doing 15,000 steps, but it's just not sustainable for me. So now I'm doing 3,000. That's a prime example of someone choosing something which is unsustainable. Again, this is why I'm not a fan of dieting. This is why I'm not a fan of these shakes or kind of temporary approaches because, you know, a temporary approach leads to temporary results. Temporary approach leads to temporary actions as well. And so none of it's sustainable. So Nah, I'm going to pause that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole again. Previous podcasts, enjoy. <laughs> so, the final, I suppose, takeaway point from all of this is that a lot of the time when we put targets in place and we lock ourselves into, I'm going to do this, 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 as the seasons change, as our mindset changes, we can feel like we're failing particularly going from summer to winter or summer to autumn, whatever, we can find ourselves in a position where we feel like we're not doing what we committed to do. We're not doing what we should be doing. We said we were going to do 10,000 steps and we're only managing 8,000. We're failing. We're only failing because we are failing to accept the fact that there has to be adaptation. Resilience is the thing that we need to focus on. You only failed if you don't learn to adapt you've only failed if you stop adapting in whatever way shape or form that works for you in your life is the key here it's not about going i can't do those steps anymore so because i'm missing them by 2000 i'm failing that's not the case at all the failing is the failing to adapt failing to understand that your circumstances have changed that it's not as easy for you to get those done Case in point, like I said, I go back to a woman having to get home from work at five o'clock when it's dark and go out for a walk. Yeah, in the summer, very easy to do. In the winter, it's potentially more treacherous. It's dark, it's cold, it's wet, and, you know, the world we live in. And so you've never failed unless you don't learn to adapt. 
if you learn to adapt and you are resilient with your goal, resilient with what you want to achieve, understanding the principle behind the goal, understand the principle behind what you need to do, but you adapt what you do, then you've never failed. This is why, you know, being a parent is one of the best examples that I personally can give. And I know this doesn't resonate with everybody, but if you're a dog owner, even, you know, being a parent, it's one of those situations where it's always about adapting. You're going to get moments where you shout at your kids and then you, in hindsight, you go, fuck, that was the wrong thing to do. Or you make decisions with regards to your children, you know, oh, you know, have this food, have that food, and you start bargaining at dinner time, for example, but then that fucks up the next dinner time because you find yourself in a position where, shit, they're now not eating their food because they think they can bargain. Or you go, you know what, if you, you didn't you get a sweetie, and then all of a sudden, every night, they expect a sweetie. Parenting is one long fuck-up. It's one long mistake. <laughs> or, no, tell a lie, it's multiple mistakes. It's about continuously making mistakes, but it's about learning from them. It's about adapting, understanding that, okay, my, I, that approach isn't working. My, my approach isn't working. I need to change it. And then obviously as child grows up, you then go, right, that approach doesn't work anymore. Okay, I need to do something different. You know, oh, intelligence is increasing. Can't really get away with the kind of, you know, oh, if you do this, this happens approach. I need to kind of be a little bit cleverer with things now. It's just one big experiment of adaptation for 18 years and beyond, perhaps. I don't know. I'm only at four and a half. I'll let you know. But the thing to understand through all of this, like I said, is that you've never failed unless you fail to adapt. Winter, COVID-19, lockdown, children, work, weather, temperature, all of it is going to change. All of it is going to adapt. Your entire life, the life that you are in right now, listening to this podcast, regardless of when that is, is going to change. And if we don't adapt with those changes, we are, f we are destined to fail. Because what once worked within a certain set of parameters potentially won't work within these parameters. And so this is why it's important to keep our eye on adaptation, our eye on what needs to change, and to always do our best, but to always self-reflect. And to be honest, this is what my job is as a coach. My job is to help people do this. In some cases, my job is to do this for them, to discuss and go, okay, your life has changed. This is the situation, so this is what we're going to commit to now. And this is what I've done at the beginning of basically every lockdown that we've entered Every one of my clients, we've had discussions both consciously and subconsciously about what's going on in our life and we've adapted their approach. You know, their circumstances quite dramatically change from shitloads of school runs and God knows how much activity and free time to exercise to the complete opposite of that. And of course, the approach needs to adapt as well. But I must highlight the second part of the title of this podcast, Resilience. Resilience is that persistence, that never-ending, that don't stop. Because, of course, calorie deficits will end. Fat loss goals will be achieved. But that doesn't mean that your relationship with food or the management of calories, the management of weight, ends. Weight management is forever. Certain protocols, certain tools you will use are temporary. But it's important to understand that the approach itself needs to be infinite 
at least until you're pushing up daisies, as discussed in previous podcast. So adaptation is a vital part of all of this. And let's not beat around the bush. As with every one of these podcasts, I wish they were. This isn't a cure-all approach. This isn't just learn to adapt, learn to be resilient, jobs are good in. Because it's one element of a bigger picture. You've got to take adaptation and resilience and apply it to appropriate calories, appropriate steps, appropriate exercise, efficient exercise in relation to your goal. Appropriate when it comes to what you're actually able to do. You've then got to lope that into your circumstance, you know, your life, the things, the ties you have, your schedules. This is what I love so much about coaching is that with every single client I'm dealing with, despite on the surface the goal being the same, the measures and the intricacy behind it is so very different. The psychology behind it is so very different with every single person that I come across. This is why every person I coach gets coached individually because every circumstance is unique. Every life is unique. Everything that people are going through is unique. And so it's vital that despite the fact there is a principle that we adhere to, we must take a open mind and we must take a specific and personal approach to what we're doing, particularly when it comes to adaptation and resilience. Make sure that you are unfaltering in your targets with your goal, with the resilience of knowing what you need to do to achieve that, but make sure that you understand the essential need for adaptation with what you want to achieve. You must do something. You must always do something. You must continuously do something. But what you do must ebb, flow, adapt and change as the circumstance around you or the circumstance in which you are doing those things does. And that's it. Folks, thank you for listening to episode 44. Let me know if you guys enjoyed it. As always, love hearing the feedback. Some amazing feedback of episode 43, by the way. Um, probably the most intimate podcast I've recorded so far. I mean, I've let out a load of skeletons in my closet on these podcasts. If this is one of your first that you've listened to, yeah, go back. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that I've shared for the first time, actually, on these podcasts. So make sure that you kind of, you know, go back, enjoy. Um, but like I said, the forecast, the, the forecast, fucking hell tripping over my words right at the end the um the response to episode 43 has been great so thank you really does mean a lot like i said it was quite a vulnerable podcast to record but i felt it was quite a prevalent one so that you guys understand that i'm just like you <laughs> right done see you on episode 45 drop me a message on instagram if you're not following me please do at chris moyes uh i do kind of mini podcasts called walk talks uh, if you guys haven't spotted them they come out most mornings when i go for my morning walk i'll do kind of little bit of chat basically just some musings that are in my head to help you guys focus for your day ahead and they are available if you go to the main profile you can re-watch them just look for the blue walk talk logo on the uh the instagram highlights of my stories and you'll find them there but again, it all depends on if these are helping you. And if they are, please make sure that you share them with other people too. The whole idea of the podcast is we reach more and more people over time and more and more people get this help. Because after all, it costs nothing. But like I said, if you let me know, that's how you can pay. <laughs> Folks, have a great one. 
Uh, remember, when it comes to any circumstance, accept what you cannot change. Have the courage to change the things that you can and the wisdom to know the difference. See you on the next one. Toodles. <laughs>